It reads, I charge thee, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap of themselves, teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you have presented for us, Father. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit begins to give us the revelation of your word, Lord God. It is an appointed time that we've met, Lord God. So God, you have already prepared, Lord God, the provision for us to learn what thus says the Lord. So we pray that our ears are attentive and our hearts are receptive that we may learn who you are, that your name may be glorified, that your people may be edified, that sinners may be justified, and that the devil is petrified. In the only name that really matters, he who reign, rule, and shall return again. Jesus the Christ, we do pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. If I would talk from a thought today, it would be do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Evangelism is sharing the gospel or the good news. There are many Bible verses that give believers insight into the privilege and responsibility. Evangelism is telling what God has done in your life and what he promises to do in yours and other lives. It is the good news of salvation and the evidence of true love for others. Because if you are not evangelizing, you are not expressing love for others. You can't say that you love a brother or sister and refuse to evangelize them about Jesus Christ. Everyone who has received Christ should have a divine unction to share and testify of the truth and goodness of our Lord and Savior. And the enemy has manipulated the minds of saints because they are not aware of their obligation. Or they are abusing this privilege. Too many Kohelas or preachers have moved from inspirational and sufficiency 
of preaching for infrequent and recreational preaching. Instead of the inspired word and adequacy of our condition for life, we have reduced the occasional declaration and pulpit entertainment. And the latter is preferred over sound doctrine. It's not about implicating strategies for a change in time, but about sticking to the established foundations even in the changing culture. And the answer for the attack against the sufficiency of the scriptures, here it is, it is the message to the church. Just preach the word. Just preach the word. Such is the discipline discovered in this discourse. Paul is writing his second letter to Timothy. This is the final letter he would be writing to him. And Paul is now aware that death is near. Paul begins in the fourth chapter of the second letter with a charge. Paul's relationship with Tim was as a mentor and to a mentee or spiritual father to a son. But when we look at this fourth verse, for this fourth chapter in the first verse, Paul here invokes his apostolic authority in the audience of God, the creator, and Jesus, the savior. These are the judging entities in the Godhead tribune. They shall judge the living and the dead at the appearing to rule his kingdom. And that charge begins like this. He tells Tim, preach the word. That should have set some cool hella free right there. He tells Tim, preach the word. He did not say, preach your word or preach my word. He says, preach the word. Which means that there was an established understanding of the word prior to the charge to preach it. So true preaching is not what you come up with from the scripture. But what Holy Spirit has uncovered in the scripture. I think I'll say it again. True preaching is not what you come up with from scripture, but what Holy Spirit has uncovered in scripture. So the question is, what do you preach? Here it is. It's right in our text. He says, doctrine. So what is doctrine? Doctrine is a belief or set of belief held and taught by a church from biblical scriptures. Doctrine is the, the, the understanding or the execution of scriptures 
that becomes the, the instructions for how the church should operate. Actually, in the earlier times, a doctor was not referred to as a medical person. A doctor was someone who was 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 vested in the study of the scriptures. Medical experts were referred to as physicians. And because you took the time to study the scriptures, the doctoring or the teaching made you a doctor. Come on now, here's somebody. So the true doctor is those who take the time to examine doctrine. There ain't got nobody in here. So the importance of preaching is located in its content and not in its function. Lord, hold your boy. The true importance of preaching is located in the content and not in the function. So the importance of preaching is not located in how you preach, but in what you preach about. Still not happy. The power of preaching is the truth of the message and not the act of preaching. It is not our preaching that makes the gospel work. It is the gospel that makes our lousy preaching work. We do not have editorial authority over the message. We cannot adjust the context to address our topic. But the topic of the text should cause us to address our sin. So, in that case, that means, to all you Kohelos, you are either preaching through exposition or imposition. I'm going to let that sit. You are either preaching through exposition or imposition. So, you are either exposing the God-intended message of the text, or you have determined your own message and imposing your own thought in the scripture. Preach, Bishop elect. Preaching the word is not just mentioning scripture. But it's by preaching the text by what the text says in the text. And not changing the context to fit your position in the text. Anything else makes you a false prophet. Paul tells Tim, you must preach the word. And after telling him what to preach, he tells him when to preach. He says, in season and out of season. So your question is, who determines whether it's in season or out of season? Well, I don't think the importance is on whether it's in season or out of season, but I think the importance is that it covers all seasons. Since it says in season and out of season, there is not a season where you are not to be evangelizing. So that means that preaching is not occupational, it's instinctual, 
ain't got nobody here. I knew I wasn't going to get nobody to shout there. It's not your duty, it's your delight. It's not your preference, it's your priority. It's not your obligation, it's your operation. Is there anybody here that can testify that I'm only able to operate because the word of God is in me? The grass wither and the flower fadeth, but the word of God will last forever. Can I get 10 people and I'll be number 11 that can testify that the word is like fire shut up in my bones? And I couldn't hold it back. Preach in season and out season. Because preaching in season and out of season covers all season. If you have to get ready, then you ain't ready. But if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I just made some preacher smile right there. Because a passion to preach without a discipline to study is just a desire to perform. I'm preaching this morning. Go ahead, Bishop Alec. Because a passion to preach without a discipline to study is just a desire to perform. If you're always in the word, then there's never a season you can't preach. You are not preparing a sermon. You're developing it from your own devotion. It is not about sermon prep. It's about how the word is dealing with you that you speak from it. If we get too focused on preparing a sermon, the sermon never prepared you. Paul shows Tim what to preach. When to preach. And he also shows him how to preach. He says, you have to preach reproof, rebuke, exhort. Still slow. Minister Josh, he says you have to preach reproof, rebuke, and exhort. You got that, Minister Osborne? You, you, you have to reproof, rebuke, and exhort. It's not just what to preach and when to preach, but how to preach. Minister Lady Drew, it's convincing, correcting, and encouraging. So Evangelist Brown, reproof, rebuke, and exhort is convincing, correcting, and encouraging. But what blows my mind, Minister Perry Christmas, is the particularity in the text. And that is the sequence in which he gives the charge. He's still slow. It's the sequence in which he gives this charge. Minister in training, Tucker, reproof, rebuke, and exhort. So we know reproof is self-correction. And rebuke is to get or deliver correction. I'm going to say it again. We know reproof is self-correction. And rebuke is to get or deliver correction. 
So before I can correct someone with the word, I must have let the word correct me first. Lost this side of the room right there. So your fitness for evangelizing is how well you take correction. And if you don't like correction, then you can't like righteousness. It's because I know how correction feels that I rebuke in love and not in anger. I'm not harsh, but I'm compassionate. Not sarcastic, but empathetic. It says reproof and rebuke. But look at this here that comes next. Exhort. Just in case you want to act like you don't know what that word means, it means encouraging. And when we look at the sequence of how this breakdown of reproof, rebuke, exhort, it is the only part in how to preach that is attached to long suffering. If that is the only part that is attached to Lord suffering, that means I should be encouraging way longer than I rebuke. And the encouragement follows rebuke. Because encouraging more than correction shows I understand doctrine. And I'm not just religious. But here it is. Here's the flippity flop in the text. After I have implemented all the principles on what to preach and when to preach and how to preach, verse 3 and 4 says, they ain't going to receive it. After I took my time to make sure I correct myself and give correction in love and follow it with encouragement, verse 3 and 4 said, they ain't going to receive it. Matter of fact, they won't even be able to endure it or listen. They will prefer preachers who speak more about what they desire more than what God desire from them. They will need to have intellectual stimulation. Watch this. With theories or conspiracies and myths. They will prefer that more than the truth. So even with you taking all the time in preparation, they ain't going to listen. But here it is. If we're looking in the confounds of the text about evangelism, the charge wasn't given to them. It was given to Tim. Still not happy. The charge is given to Tim. And as an evangelist, the charge is given to you. The scripture says, preachers, you must keep control over yourself. You gotta watch internally. I'm in the book. Look, pull up verse 5. It's telling us to watch thou in all things. So that I must be eternally checking myself all the time. Not watching them, but watching me. 
And it says, I'm watching me so I can fight the urge to deviate. Even though you're going to suffer when you do it. So when I am taking the position of an evangelist or a preacher or a co-heliph, I must pay more attention to how I speak and act and assimilate the word of God than what someone else does. Because we see that Paul says after that, do the work of an evangelist. I was sitting there, I was like, wait a minute. Why must he remind him to do the work of the evangelist? Do we forget that Tim is already a pastor? He is even a bishop elect at this time. So for him to have to remind him to do the work of the evangelist, take in mind, this is Paul on his deathbed. He know he ain't going to speak to him no more. So it was not more about him knowing tradition. It was not more about him knowing pulpit etiquette. It was not more about him knowing the right people to fellowship with. But the importance of what he pulled out was do the work of the evangelist. In season, out of season, preach the word. If the word all you have is five minutes of preaching, preach it. The only way to be a true evangelist for God is the details in your service. We have to make sure that we are sticking close to the details in the scripture. Because if we move or change the details in the scripture, we are not evangelizing about Jesus Christ. We are now presenting ourselves and not Jesus. So the work of an evangelist is important that you know the details in the scripture. Because you can't talk about it if you don't know about it. The details. When I was coming back on the flight from Atlanta back to Jersey, I had to get my ticket printed out at the little kiosk. As they printed out the ticket, it had my name on it, the name of the airlines, the flight number, what time it was leaving, and I thought I was good to go. Got my ticket. The ticket agent was calling each group to come up to board the plane. Calling board uh, 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 group three, group two, group one. I was in group four. So she immediately went to four and I came up and presented my ticket to the lady. She looks at my ticket and says, I don't see the gate number. I said, what do you mean? I don't see the gate number on the ticket. But I said, ma'am, it is my name. It is the airline's name. It is the flight of the flight name. It is the time I'm supposed to depart. What is the problem? She said, well, Mr. Pendleton, let me explain to you. Without the gate number there, 
You could be boarding a right flight, but end up going the wrong direction. I said, you mean to tell me missing out on one detail could have me going the wrong direction? Even though I thought I had everything lined up to travel to destination, moving out of the right detail could have me going to the wrong direction. You still think I'm talking about this flight. Is it anybody in here that can take joy in the delight of the Lord? If you follow him according to his word, you can be on the right direction. Do the work of an evangelist. Don't do the work that you do. Preach the word in season and out of season. Reproof, rebuke, and exhortation. And remember, it is not you exposing or you must expose and not impose on the scripture. Because he said, the reason why I need for you to preach the gospel because they took him up the doctor's evil. Ain't got nobody with me. And the reason that we have to evangelize according to the scripture because if we add something else then it ain't the life of Jesus Christ. You may be good in your own mind but you can't offer salvation. It was one man who died for our sins, your sins, and mine. He went up Calvary. They lift him. They stretched him. They pierced him. He died. Oh, he died. He died. It was finished. Gave up the ghost. But early, Oh, y'all ain't with me. Early, early, early. One Sunday, first day of the week, he got up. He got up with our power, our power. Can I get myself a witness? Is it anybody here that knows my Jesus? Is it anybody here? That knows my God. Say yeah. 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 Do the work of an evangelist. Yeah. 